King Saul is who I'm talking about today. King Saul was the first king of what we call the United Kingdom of Israel. Don't get that confused with the other United Kingdom today. Um, so, so Israel, up until this point in history, has been ruled by judges. Okay? So they come along and they, say to, they basically say to God, we want Samuel, who's the, who's the prophet, the priest, we want, a, we want a king like all the other countries around us. And he says, all right, so, so out of this very um, pretty, pretty, pretty affluent, pretty good family comes this guy named Samuel. I'm sorry, named Saul. Samuel finds king, to be king Saul. He anoints him the king. Saul is the first king of what we know of as Israel. So you have three kings in Israel, total in history. You have King Saul, and then the next king, remember who the next king is? David. And then you have the third king, Solomon. So you have three kings. After Solomon, the whole kingdom splits up. So then you have two countries. You have the northern kingdom, which is Israel, the southern kingdom, which is called Judah. That's the southern part of what we now call Israel. So you got Judah, the southern kingdom. You have the, the, the northern kingdom, which is, uh, which is Israel. The northern kingdom is evil. They don't have one good king, not, not one good king. The southern kingdom, Judah, is uh, in the same way, is, is they have a lot of bad kings, but they have a few good kings. It's kind of like that today. The north, a lot of evil. The south, really good. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Married a girl from Alabama, you know I got to say that. Um, but um, but that, that's, what, that's how this all thing takes place then. And so, so we're talking really about three different or four different kings, uh, five different kings. I can't remember now. Uh, the series card has it on there. And I'm, I'm talking about, you know, there's one really good king. Clay gets him, of course, yeah. Josiah, but uh, I'm talking about a couple other. I, I'm talking about the, the King Saul, and you're, I'm going to let you make a judgment whether he was a good bad king, bad king, good king went bad, whatever. I'll let you make that judgment in a moment. And then uh, I'm also going to be talking about another king by the name of Ahab the Arab. Okay, and uh, it was a song in the '50s, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not, I'm, that's not. Then it was okay. Let me tell you about Ahab the Arab. Anybody ever hear that song? Thank you, thank you. Three people here. We all four of us. We know that song. There, there was a king, Ahab, and he was a, he was, he was a piece of work. We'll talk about him in a couple of weeks. But today we're talking about King Saul, the first king. And here's the point, and I want to tell you this right off the top, because you're going to forget about this point after we get into these first couple of verses. Now, I don't want you to do that, but you're going to, but stay with me. Sincere confession before God is more than words. It changes behavior. Sincere confession before God is more than words. It changes behavior. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 15, and let's just pick it up right there. All right, here we go. One day Samuel said to Saul, Samuel the prophet, the preacher, basically, to the, to the king. One day Samuel was represented by the African-American guy in the film clip that you saw. And he goes to, to, to Saul, the, the now anointed king. It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people, Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Good morning, how are you? <laughs> you say, that's what I came to church this morning to see. A verse that says, kill them all. Men, women, children, babies, and their house pets too. You know, um, 
I really debated. I don't want to say it. I don't want to say I want to take you inside the mind of rich teeters on this because that would be a scary thing. But, but I really I want to take you inside my preparation thoughts on this. I really debated whether to do this because this is such a tough passage for people. I've talked about it before, and there's some other passages uh, with Joshua and so forth, kill out and with the Canaanites. And, and at that time, I told you some things about the Canaanites and just how bad they really were and all the child sacrifice going on, all the diseased people, all the just atrocious things they did to children and just molestation, just, just awful stuff. So, you know, you, you think about that and you say, well, does that, does, that, does that mean they should be wiped out? And, and these people, these, these guys were, um, these were a bunch of, na- these, were, these were, I would call them extreme terrorists. I mean, they would make, they would make uh, the Taliban look like, you know, the junior league. I mean, it's just, they were just, these guys were just, they would just kill for the sake of killing. They didn't have territory. They weren't trying to take over land. They didn't, care, they didn't have any religion. It wasn't about religion. They just wanted to kill for the sake of killing. And they did that with a lot of God's people. They did it with their own people, too. So I can, I mean, I can go through some things and show you these, these were some really nasty, barbaric people. As a, let's face it, it was a barbaric time. We're talking circa 500 years before Christ would come to earth. And it's hard for some of you. And, and you know, one, Part of my debate also was, well, should I even bring this up? Because I want to talk to you about uh, the lack of repentance or, and, and what repentance really means. And some of you are going to get kind of hung up and, and never really let, when I make the point, you're not even going to get the point because you're still going to be thinking about this part. Kind of like this morning when, when Steve introduced our new, new guy back here, whatever his name is. Um, um, after he said Engelbert Humperdinck, I didn't hear another thing, you know. <laughs> I'm like, Engelbert Humperdinck, I thought he was dead, you know? And, and like that, I thought the same thing here. I thought, if I go into this, I'm never going to get to make a point to anybody because they're all going to think, oh, why would God do that? So let me just address it. And, and here's, here's how I really think about that. Part of that is, look, you know what? Maybe you just need to man up and deal with what the Bible says. Because sometimes I don't always like what it says. Sometimes I don't always like what God, I, I, what, what God does. And sometimes I, can, I, I never, I, I, I won't say never, many times I, ne- I don't understand why God does certain things. But you've you got to just kind of man up, if you will, and just say, okay, it's there. I need to deal with it as best I can. And I'm not going to tell you that I understand this. I'm not going to tell you that I like it. But I will tell you I trust God. And I believe the Bible. And uh, somewhere in there, there's a, there's a very clear, evident truth. And you know what that is? God is God, and I'm not. And there's something else going on here. I don't know what it is. I don't know why God would make an edict like that. He hasn't consulted with me as to why he would do that. If we're able to, when we get to heaven, I'll certainly ask him. But when I get to heaven, I may not care. I don't know. Um, so, so, so I want you to think about that just for a moment, because... You know, the highest form of arrogance is to think that God has to fit into your understanding and to be what you think he should be. And some of you, some, some, maybe, maybe not you, but there are people who would take this passage, see, 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 God's not. You know, that's just the highest form of arrogance is thinking God's got to fit the bill as to what I think he should fit. Deuteronomy 29, 29, one of my life verses. Secrets. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them, but we and our children are accountable forever for what he has revealed to us. There are just certain things we don't know and we don't understand, and that's the case here. Let me just say one more or two quick points about this whole thing. 
This is also all before Christ came. And when Christ came, that was the big game changer for everything. Because now God has been forever satisfied in terms of his wrath against sin because of the blood of Christ, the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. And when I come to Christ and accept who he is and what he has done, whether that's in a service like this or whether that's in the privacy of my own bedroom or somewhere else out praying to God and just say, Lord, I want to trust you, and I believe you did. I believe you did do those things for me, and I want to trust you right here and right now. That, it's a game changer. And, and, and God never does anything like this ever again. So whatever was going on back here in this primitive thing, as bad as these people were, as unrepentant as they were for over 500 years, whatever was going on, God said, this is what needs to be done. And, and you know what? That's, it's there, and it's in the Bible. It's my, like my friend, we have this Thursday night thing that we do. We do an eight, uh, a 10, 15 thing downstairs, and somewhere back in there in the bowels of the... We have people to direct you there. Otherwise, I couldn't find it myself. But... but um, um, we have a, cl- a couple different classes on Sunday at 10.15, then we have one or two, depending on the time of year, uh, on Thursday evening at 8 o'clock. And we were discussing one night some passage in the Bible. And one of my friends was a little salty um, with his language, and I, I won't quote him exactly, but uh, somebody was questioning something about the Bible. And he said, look, the la- he's kind of new, new to the faith, you know, and he doesn't really know how to talk in Christian phrases or anything like that which is kind of a fun, refreshing thing. And, and, and he says, look, I, I, I don't know, but, you know, there are people who gave up their lives, who have been tortured, who have suffered, who have lost their families for this book to leave it like it is. I don't think we can have amendments tacked on. And I'm like, God bless you. And he threw in a few four-letter words as well, defending the Bible. Oh, I'm okay with that. All right, anyway, um, it is the Bible. We need to try to understand it as best we can. And we should try to understand God as best we can, but we're not always going to. So, I want to give you that. Now, I want to get back to the story, okay? So, to try to get you back here where we are. Samuel says, here's what your instructions from God. The Amalekites, these people who just torture and torture and murder and torture. Um, God says, wipe them out. Everything. Including the animals. Verse 7. Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from one area to the other area. Um, verse 8, he captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Did you catch that? He captured the king, didn't kill him, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life, and he kept the best of the sheep and the goats and the cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything. In fact, that appealed to him, excuse me, that appealed to them. That's the, the people who conquered them. They destroyed only what was worthless and of poor quality. Was that their instructions? Not at all. And maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Saul, the king, was trying to get approval of, of, of these people. He, he did, it wasn't an election type of thing, but he wanted to be popular, apparently. Well, verse 10, the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry I have ever made Saul the king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Saul was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Have you experienced that? You just cry out to the Lord all night long because of a loved one or a friend or a situation you might be in? You know, that's, it, some of us can relate kids maybe. If, they, if it's not your kids, just wait, you know. I don't. I mean, I don't. I'm, they, that, we have great kids. Don't misunderstand. It's just, 
kids are kids, you know, and they get older, and it, it may not be anything they did wrong. Maybe it's just them struggling to survive. It's just one of those things. You just struggle, and you, you just, that's what, you know, I, can, I, I understand the angst that Samuel was going through here. So early the next morning, verse 12, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him, well, I love this part. I love this part. Saul, someone told him, Saul went into the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. <laughs> I love this guy. Unmitigated gall. Hey, uh, I need a site over here. What are you going to do with it? I'm going to build a monument of myself right here, man. You know, what a, what a loser. Anyway, just yeah, I'm build a monument to myself, baby. Kind of tells you where his heart is, right? Kind of tells you what's going on here. So, um, verse 13, Samuel finally found him. Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you. <laughs> I've carried out the Lord's commands. Now, come on. We all know better, don't we? And here he is. Hey, Samuel. I did it, man. I did. I conquered him. I wiped out everybody. I got, I got those, I got, it's, it's over. Watch this. this. This is Samuel talking. Well, then what's the bleeding of the sheep and the goats and the lowing of the cattle that I hear? Samuel demanded. Oh, it's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted, but they're going to sacrifice them to the Lord. We, we've destroyed everything else. Did you get this? He's already caught him in a lie. And what, is, what does Saul do? Like any good politician, left or right, what does he do? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, no, no. Oh, you, you, those sheep. Those are the sheep you're talking about. Oh, those, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's this basketball coach. I don't want to say he was one of the colleges. <laughs> the NCAA took pictures of a recruit at his home, which is apparently against the NCAA rules. I don't know if you heard this story or not. And, uh, and so they said, have you had such and such? So the NCAA is investigating, and they asked the basketball coach. They said, did you have such and such, uh, Jamar or something, to your, to your home? And he said, uh, well, no, he's never been to my home. And they showed him a picture of this Jamar. What's his name? And he says, oh, that Jamar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that great story. That's what Saul does here. Oh, those sheep. Oh, yeah. We're going we're gonna to have worship. We're going to worship God and sacrifice them. And this guy is slick. Slick Saul, okay? Um, so, so, anyway... Then Samuel said, now look, wait, by the way, look in verse 15. I'll go back to, are we still at verse 15? Yeah, he says in verse 15, he says, uh, it's true that the army spared the best of the sheep and the goats and the cattle, Saul admitted, but they're going to sacrifice them, watch this, to the Lord your God. Hmm. I'm troubled by that. I thought it was his God too. Anyway, verse 16, then Samuel said to Saul, the prophet says to Saul, this is kind of what you saw portrayed on the screen earlier. Samuel says to Saul, stop, listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul asked? And Samuel told him, although you you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go ahead and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what is evil in the Lord's sight? You didn't do what you, you, you were supposed to do, and you said you would do. Verse 20, but I did obey the Lord. He, he, this guy is, I mean, this guy's amazing. He's going to end up, you know, as a senator or a president one day because he just, just keeps going, he keeps, he keeps deflecting, keeps deflecting, keeps dodging, keeps dancing a little bit here. He said, but I did obey the Lord. Saul insisted, I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back the king of Agag, King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. 
Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God again in Gilgal. I mean, he's just like, he's like, what a part about this don't you understand? That's not what you were supposed to do. Oh, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, come on, come on, come on yeah. do a little dance. Um, listen, sincere confession. I just want to make this point. I want to move on. Sincere confession. It's more than words. And it doesn't have a but at the end of the sentence. Oh, I'm really sorry, but. Uh, you know, I, I, I did this, but. That's not confession. That's a lot of things. That's rationalization. That's denial. That's a whole bunch of other Psychological words that would be accurate to fulfill that? Well, anyway, pick up the story. Verse 22, Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord? This is, this is a great passage. What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as... Watch this. Rebellion. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft stubbornness or, or arrogance is as bad as worshiping idols. We don't think about that. Sometimes we'll say, well, you know, I, yeah, I'm a, little bit, I'm a little bit arrogant. I'm a little bit stubborn sometimes. Oh, well, then you, that means you're like, you're like an idol worshiper, huh? The Bible says. You can't excuse this stuff. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Watch this, verse 24, Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, I've sinned, I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command, for I was afraid of the people and what they, what they demanded. And you heard Saul that depicted a little bit before you, your eyes earlier in that modern day version. I've disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command. You know, he, even here, he's still not confessing. Oh, I, 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 you know what, I disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's commands. I would contrast that if you read Psalm 51, you'll see David saying, when he's confessing his sin, what does he say? Oh, yeah, but he says, God, against you and you only, I have sinned. Please forgive me. No buts. Against you and you only have I sinned. He just just faces up to it. Verse... uh, 25, but now please forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. Even, even, ask, even ask Samuel to forgive his sin instead of God. Watch what happens. Verse 26, Samuel replied, I will not go back with you since you've rejected the Lord's commands. He's rejected you as king of Israel. Samuel turned to go. Saul tried to hold him back. The king tries to hold him back and tore the hem of his robe that was symbolic And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else who is better than you, or other translations, someone after his own heart. Speaking of David, and he who is the glory of Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind, for he is not human that 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 he should change his mind. Then Paul pleaded again, I know I have sinned. Now watch this. This is amazing to me. I mean, he he, he still doesn't get it. Watch what he does here. He says, I know I have sinned, but please, verse 30, then Saul, Saul, the king, pleaded again, I know I have sinned, but please, at least honor me 
before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God again. He's still worried about how he's going to look. Hey, 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 Samuel, at least come back with me so it looks good, huh? I mean, unbelievable. Now, I don't know why Samuel decided to do that. He had his own reasons. I'm not sure what they are. So Samuel finally agreed, went back with him, and Saul worshiped the Lord. And we have to believe <coughs> those words, and maybe he did have a moment there of, of repentance. We don't know for sure. But um, verse 35, we know this. Samuel never went to meet with Saul again, but he mourned constantly for him, and the Lord was sorry he had ever made Saul the king of Israel. Listen, sincere confession before God is more than words. It changes behavior. Changes behavior. Pretty interesting. This is a business guy that says this, Watson, but it's a great, it's a great quote. Repentance is a grace of God's Spirit whereby a sinner is inwardly humbled and visibly reformed. That's a great quote. That's a business guy. Repentance is a grace of God's Spirit whereby a sinner is inwardly inwardly humbled and visibly reformed. Three things to think about. I love the passage of Samuel because and Saul because it just shows you how you can just duck and deflect and try to hide and you know not deal with your stuff and blame. So just three things very quickly. First one's a question, just think about it. When was the last time that you've been in a conflict and you said, it was my fault? Period. It was my fault. Now, that's just on the human level. Now, let me take you to the second thing. It has to do more with, relation, with your relationship with God. It's just an exhortation, something to talk about with somebody too, friend, somebody you love, over dinner or whatever. Be honest before God about your sin. And here's what I mean by that. You need to own it. You need to confess it. You don't need to, you don't need to, you don't need to try to blame You don't need to try to say, well, you know, I'm Dutch, or I'm I'm Italian, or I'm I'm, I'm this, or I'm that. It just kind of comes with the territory. You know, we're all from different ancestry, and we've all, our ancestors, I don't care what you are, we've all got our stuff. And uh, don't blame it on your ancestry. I don't care what you are. Don't care if you're a mutt, which is pretty much what I am. Um, Doesn't matter. You can get over that. You know, sometimes in our relationship with God, not sometimes, all the time, we just need to belly up to the bar. And kind of unfortunate use of that term, isn't it? But uh, um, we, just need to get, we just need to get straight with God and just say, you know, here's the deal, God. I'm wrong. And I've sinned. And I'm stubborn. I'm arrogant. And I need your help. I'm abusive sometimes with my speech, and I need your help. And just, and, and you know what? Here's the deal, and this is the third thing. Examine your life for change. See if change is happening. It, it might be incremental. 
It might be just a little bit at a time. But you're going to know that. You know what? I only, I went for a whole hour and I didn't cuss. Isn't that amazing? That's, I mean, it might be something hopefully even bigger than that. You know, are you seeing change in your life with those areas that, that, really, that really kind of pull you down spiritually? Are you seeing some change? And again, it's, we're all in process, and we're not going to see total change this side of heaven in this life. But we can sure see some incremental changes in our life and some of our affections and some of our appetites uh, and some of the way we treat people and, and just in the, in the discipline we have of, of praying to God and asking God. And by the way, when I talk about you know, being honest before God with your sin and confession, I'm, assume, I'm assuming that you're praying, having some time of prayer where you just, just talk to God and, about your life and just asking for help and confessing your sins. You know, don't, don't misunderstand. Just because we don't believe here in this church, at least, um, in, in, in a confessional, doesn't mean you shouldn't confess. You don't have to tell me, but you need to tell God. So, so that's, when's the last time you just stopped and said, you know, it's just my fault. No buts, no ifs, no ands. And, and be honest before God about your sin. Just be honest. Don't try to blame it on your dad, your mom. And, you, you know, you may need some help with that in therapy. You may have, a, you may have had a, a parent that was just awful. I'm not, I'm not denying that or minimizing that. But at some point, you have to own your own stuff. If you're going to have any kind of work of Christ in your heart and in your life. And examine your life for change and ask God to continue to transform you. And he will. As we come before Christ. As our Lord and as our Savior. Let's pray together and ask God with these things. God, we are um, especially grateful and humbled by the love that you have for us, the grace that you continue to offer us. We thank you for that, and we thank you for all that you do and all that you are doing in our lives and the fact that Jesus came, lived and suffered and died and rose again to give us life with you, forgiveness of sin, and the ability to live in ways that will honor our God, you as well as others. We thank you for that, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.